Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Hi, welcome to today. I'm so glad that I can do um, the sermon today, uh, the first sermon uh, during lockdown. Uh, it's really in a... Uh, an interesting time, an interesting experience. And uh, I find that a lot of us are very scared, very um, frustrated, very unsure about the future. A lot of us have got a lot of difficult things that we're going through. Uh, and I, I believe the text that we've got today has got a message for each one of us um, on how we should be using our tongue in this time. So allow me to go to my uh, presentation and share that with you. Um, so there we go. So we're talking about the tongue. And our tongue is very often a big challenge for us because it is all over the place, especially in this time. We are saying things, we're doing things that are maybe not completely in line with what uh, Christ would want us to say uh, uh, in this time. Because it's not bringing peace, it's bringing fear, it's bringing confusion, it's bringing hatred and anxiety. So we should really learn to uh, bring our tongue to the foot of the, the cross. And that's actually the, the, the basic um, message I want to send you today. The message is that we want to put our tongue at the foot of the cross and use it for what it should be used and not for what it should not be used. So let's have a look at our text. We are dealing with James 3 today and uh, we're going to go through all the, the verses. Uh, it's going to be fun, at least for me. Uh, I hope for you too. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now, when we read this, there are many messages that are maybe confusing, maybe scary for those of us that are currently in leadership positions, or those of us that would like to be in leadership positions. Many people have used this text and said, I shouldn't be a leader in our church because it is just too dangerous for me. So let's have a look at exactly what this says. There are two fours, and after the four, there's always a reason for what he said. So let's first have a look at the first four. What follows after this four? Be judged with greater strictness. This is why we are so afraid of this verse. We are afraid of being judged with greater strictness. There's another four um, that are, follows after this. The four, we all, that is all of us, stumble. So we fall at times in many ways, not just in one or two ways, but we fall in many ways. So we know that we are not, um, we are not 
on the level that we should be. We're not as good as we would want to be. Uh, and therefore, this threat about the judgment is even worse. So the second four basically says everyone makes mistakes. And now James carries on. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Is it possible to be perfect? Um, let's have a look at that. Does James really believe that it is possible? If we read further on, uh, James 3 verse 7 to 8, we see that every kind of beast and bird, of, rep of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. So he does not believe that it's possible to tame it. Um, so what is this all about? Uh, he says it, the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So what is this all about? Let's see what is the issue here. I believe we first must see who he's talking to. In James 1 verse 1, we see um, that he is talking to the 12 tribes. So in other words, he's talking to people from Jewish descent. He's talking to the people that have been um, in the culture for a long time. And when they interact with these new uh, people uh, to the faith, people that might not be of Jewish descent, they don't understand all the pictures, don't understand the word as effectively as they do. Um, these are the people that he's talking to. And then... Uh, why should they not be leaders? Why should they not want to be leaders? Because they are perfect. I mean, they know everything better than anyone else. I think the answer is in James 3, verse 14 to 16. And we'll come back to that many times during the sermon today. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. So these people, because they um, know more, they become very selfish and it's all about them. Uh, and a lot of our people are about that. We all need to guard ourselves from that. We all tend to go that route that we're so busy with ourselves and just looking at our own benefit. Uh, and especially in times as these that we are in, as Christians, we should be very careful that we don't do that. Because if we in this time are not about everyone else, not about the people around us. What message do we send out there? If we in this time live in fear and we, we are fearful the, the whole time, what message do we send out there? We should be checking our tongues. We should be checking what we're saying. That section continues. If we have these selfish ambitions and we have this jealousy in us, we should not think that it's, it's something that comes from God or something that's given to us. It is earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic even, according to James. For where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, uh, there will be disorder and every vile practice, every evil and bad practice will be around. 
So James is not saying none of us should be leaders. Uh, if we do lead, we need to be uh, aware that we will have the, the greater punishment. It will be harsher for us for, I think, two reasons. Um, the first reason being, if, if I uh, talk to you today about not being fearful and checking my tongue, and you see me not doing that, it's going to be far more strict in your eyes um, towards me than somebody that has never taught on this. And the other thing is what I teach and what I say when I teach is going to have an impact on everyone that listens to this. And that is also something we need to take serious. But we need to take it serious in the first place by checking our own hearts. So he says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, what flows out of that will be evil and not good. Therefore, you should rather not lead and work on fixing this challenge within you. So, but how does this come back to the tongue? If I want to share these four, these three sections, four verses with you, and I think we need to reflect on some of the words used in it. First of all, in James 1 verse 26, it talks about if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Um, here it talks about bridling your tongue. And, and that is an, a very interesting kind of um, word. And the context of that is very important. James 3 verse 2, it says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. And we've already seen that is more of a, guys, really, you, you should check your heart because I think you're maybe proud or you maybe have things in your heart that you shouldn't have there if you think you never stumble. We all stumble. And then James 3, verse 7 and 8, where he talks about every bird and every animal ever under the sun has been tamed, but uh, there's no one that can tame the tongue. So we're talking about three things. We're talking about bridling, which we should do. We're talking about stumbling, that we will do. We're talking about taming, that we can't do. So... I think this whole story about bridling uh, is, a, is, is a very um, adequate picture. Um, when I grew up, my brother got a horse. This was um, a massive horse. Uh, he was, uh, maybe I was just very small, but this horse seemed amazingly um, big. Uh, so our cousin was very good with horses and he came and he helped us, gave us some advice. Um, so one of the things he said was, Ziggy, if you brush the horse, uh, it will become more used to you and, and you will have a good time. And he was right. Uh, he, the horse became more uh, comfortable with me. I could even walk through underneath its belly and uh, my brother would lie against his front legs and read a book. And it was just an amazing animal, amazing animal. Uh, one day I had it in this um, big camp, uh, and I was brushing it and I thought, ah, you know what? I don't feel like getting, going to get the saddle and putting in the bridle and everything. I'm just going to jump on the back of this horse because we're big mates now. I'm going to jump on the back of this horse 
and I'm just going to write it into uh, the 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 its stall um, uh, bareback. So <laughs> this horse uh, uh, had a sense of humor, I think. Uh, I hope uh, it 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 ran with me full speed into the camp, not out of the camp where I wanted to go into the camp, and then right next to uh, some dibble some thorns, uh, it stopped and threw me off. There was one section in that whole camp that had a lot of thorns. That was the place he decided to throw me off. So if I had a bridle, I could have managed it better. The chance would have been that I would not have um, fallen or stumbled um, as easily. Um, and then it, it would have behaved in a more tame way, although I know this horse was never tame. Uh, it, it just caused the most amazing situations. The same is true for us in our lives with our tongue. We should bridle it. When it's bridled, then we will still fall and stumble, but it will seem to be more tame. It will, it will behave in a way that is more conducive, that is more in line with what we know God wants us to do. So in this time especially, where we have so many people um, so fragile, so stressed, we should be considering how can we um, bridle our tongue and make sure that we don't say things with anger, with, with uh, frustration, uh, in ways that hurt people's feelings and their lives. So we cannot tame the tongue, but we can bridle it. And if our religion is worth anything, we should be doing that. We will stumble along the way. As leaders, we should then put our, uh, put our pride, our selfish ambitions aside, humble ourselves, and work towards peace uh, in this situation. So, James carries on telling us how when you bridle a horse's, uh, when you put the bit into a horse's um, mouth, you can lead the whole body. Uh, a little, uh, a little um, rudder in the, in the back of the, the sail ship controls it, although it's led by big winds. So there's big impact, but still that little thing uh, manages where that person goes. And the same is true for our tongue within ourselves. I want us to um, realize when James talks about the tongue, he talks about the tongue impacting ourselves, not about the tongue impacting others. Now, there is definitely an impact of others, but in this context, in this text here, James talks about us and how it impacts us as human beings. So the idea is that the, tem uh, the, the tongue impacts our whole body. He then continues, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Uh, it's, it, is, um, it is a challenge for us because it can do many big and amazing things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Although it's small, it does big things. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, getting, uh, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. So let's have a look at this in more detail. 
So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts. What is this boasting all about? That word boast great things um, is, is a word that means it talks big. It's uh, grandiloquent. If you want to use a big word um, today, that is a cool word to throw around. Um, that means it's arrogant and egocentric. Uh, or egoistic. So it is a small thing that is very full of itself. Yeah. And Jesus spoke about this uh, and James uh, uh, speaks about this later. He says, but if you have jealousy, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, only vile practice is going to come out of you um, and out of the tongue. After the Pharisees had accused Christ of being uh, chasing out demons in the name of the devil, Christ said the following to them in Matthew 12, verse 33 to 37. And I think the main thing we want to take out of this uh, for us to remember is, for out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Christ refers to these people and he talks about fruit. He talks about how a tree, a bad tree cannot have good fruit. A good tree will not have bad fruit. Um, and he says, how can you speak good things when you are evil? And then he makes the statement, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is Christ saying here? He's saying that what is in within us comes out. And, and we need to be checking what is in us. A lot of people say in this time where we are under so much tension and so much stress, that this is going to bring out what's within even more extreme. So we're going to see some people behaving even worse than ever before, and some people behaving even better than ever before. Let us be those that behave better than before. Let us ask God to change the heart within us so that what comes out of our mouth will be in line with what he wants us to share. In the end of this text, there's a section that a lot of people get very frightened of and very uh, concerned with. So I think I should just maybe highlight that. It says, um, for your words will, um, you will be, for by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Now remember what Christ said. He didn't say what you say is going to condemn you. So there's no grace anymore here. He says what is in your heart comes out of your mouth. And that should be a warning sign to us all. If the things that come out of my mouth are evil, I might have evil within me. And I need to ask him to show me what is in me and work on what is in me so that I can live a life that is honorable and honoring him. So, in Mark 7, verse 14 to 23, we read, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that is going into him that can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Now, when Jesus said this, his disciples didn't understand what he meant. And when they entered the house, they went to him and said, hey, can you please explain this to us? And he answered in a very interesting way. He said to them, then 
Are you also without understanding? What did they not understand? They didn't understand that what is evil within us comes out and stains the body, as James um, explains later. Do you not see that whatever goes into the person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within our heart, uh, within, um, out of the heart of a man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile the person. So the things that are, we are, are allowing inside that come out of our mouth are defiling us. Those are the things that come out of our mouth and we hear it and it defiles us. Remember when I say something to you, you can decide that is not true. But when you say something about yourself, there's no blockage. It's within your system and you're telling that to yourself and it immediately defiles you. It already started as an evil thought within or a bad thought within or a prideful thing within and it comes out and it causes even more of that. So let's return to James. The second part here, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Arrogance and egocentrism uh, can create huge destruction within us. In James 3 verse 6, we read, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. So setting in fire the entire course of life. And that's what I just explained. You allow thoughts to linger. You allow feelings to linger. That causes a behavior and a way of speaking. And, it, and that causes us to, to have a certain mindset. And that sets us in a direction that is not good for our future. People say there's life and death in the tongue. What does that mean? Because uh, a lot of people take this text and they say, yeah, you see, as you know, there's life and death in the tongue. Let's have a look at where this text comes from, because I think it's very important to understand what is really going on here. Personally, I think there's a little bit of a God complex going on here, where people think that they are so powerful by saying what they're saying, things will happen around them. So let's see where this comes from. In Proverbs 18 verse 21, this is literally the text, the one verse that everyone quotes. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, I know that Proverbs, one verse is normally separate, but it has got a flow, and I think we should look into the context to really understand what this verse says. If we look at this context, we will see that um, in Proverbs 18, verse 19, it starts off with, 
a brother, brother that is offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. So when you have a quarrel with your brother, um, it's a relationship break. And there's, he's, he's even so unyielding as a strong city. And the quarreling itself is like a bar preventing relationship. So it's got, a, got to do with relationship. Then it continues from the, from the fruit of a man's mouth. In this conflict, the fruit of your mouth your stomach will be satisfied. So what you're saying, that is going to be part of who you are and how you are. Very much in line with what James said. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. So what you're saying is satisfied with. Now it continues. Remember, we're talking about relationship here. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So death in this relationship with my brother or life in this relationship with my brother is in the power of the tongue. If I don't consider what I'm going to say to my brother, especially when he's under tension, like everyone is now with the Corona thing, it, if I don't think about what I'm going to say, it could cause a challenge for my brother and for the relationship with him. And those who love it will eat its fruits. So if I say good things in relationships, it will have good fruits. If I say bad things, it will have bad fruits. This is what I'll be satisfied with. It continues. He who finds a, a wife, um, once again, relationship, he who finds a wife finds a good thing to all the ladies out there, a good thing, um, and obtains favor from the Lord. I think it's true for the men as well, though. Just a side note there. Um, the poor use entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. So it's still about how do I interact? How do I kind of have relationship? And then it, it finishes off this section, in my opinion, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Isn't it interesting that we start with brother, we end with brother, and the verse in the middle is life and death is in the power of the tongue. I think this section talks about how we interact with our loved ones, the ones that we appreciate. And what we say in that relationship causes life and death. If I say something, I don't automatically cause it to happen because I'm not God. God created like that. If I could do that, then God would not be in the picture. I would just have to say good things and then just good things would happen to me. Who's God then? Is it really God or do I turn into God? So I think that text, um, and, and let me just um, be honest about this. There was a long time in my life, I kind of believed this because I didn't know that you read in context and I had Many arguments with people about this point. And I'm so glad that today I understand this text a little bit different and that it makes it easier for me to um, live my life as a Christian. Okay, great. So let's just continue there. 
Um, so it's, he talk, James talks about the tongue. He says we're blessing God and we're cursing people that are made in his image, and that shouldn't be. And he talks about um, the, the, the salt water and fresh water and fruits. So let's have a look at what happens here. He basically tells us it shouldn't be this way, guys. We shouldn't be blessing God with this voice and then cursing people that are made in his image. And then he, he comes to a point that connects with what Christ said in the other section that we looked at. Does a spring pour, uh, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? And then he speaks about, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt uh, a salt pond yield fresh water. Do you see that he's got the water thing there on the front and the end? And in the middle, he talks about um, fruit. Just as Christ said, a tree will be known by its fruit. Uh, if you have a good tree, it must have good fruit. If you have a bad tree, it must have bad fruit. So what James is trying to say to us here, guys, what's in you comes out. Be aware of that. Don't be fooled. What is in you will come out. James continues, who is wise and, uh, and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his work of meekness, uh, of the works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every wild practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, uh, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, and a harvest, harvest of righteousness is gained in um, peace. So, who is wise and understanding among you? I, I, it sounds a little bit like he's teasing these people. Um, because have you ever noticed that people that are actually very wise and understanding will never say they are? Because the more you know, the more you realize you don't. Uh, so this is, I think James is just having um, a go at these guys. He's telling them, do you think you can be perfect? He's now telling them, those who are wise and understanding among you. Now he says to them what they should do. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I'm so grateful for um, what Paul explained two, um, two weeks ago about wisdom being uh, being knowing what God wants and, and living it out. How wisdom is a practical living of what you know God expects of you. Uh, because that makes it so much more understandable. And in this thing, you see the meekness of wisdom. In other words, the meekness of knowing what God wants of you and doing what he says. So, James challenges us to humbly live the way we know God wants us to live. And this is equals to wisdom that we can always ask God for 
and he will supply as James explains in James 1. But if you have jealousy and selfish ambitions, this verse we've now gone through so many times. Um, I think especially now with the lockdown, we as Christians need to be even more careful not to allow jealousy and selfish ambition to be in our heart because that's going to come out and that's the message people are going to receive from us as the bad news, not the good news. But the wisdom, wisdom from above is first pure. It is pure. It's clean. It is, it is good. It's something that we could uh, rejoice about. Then peaceable. It creates peace. When we live according to what God wants and we speak according to what God wants, it will create peace in the end. It is gentle, open to reason. So we should be very careful when you're not prepared to have a discussion or reason about something. It says something about your heart, doesn't it? Full of mercy and good fruits. Let's do good things to the people around us. Let's look for ways we can support others around us. Impartial and sincere. I think in this time, it's even more important to remember we're all in the same boat here and to forget our differences, to look at each other as fellow human beings, as fellow creations of God and behave in that way towards each other. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. May this be true about us in this crisis. I want to conclude with this uh, one section, um, which is not really part of the, 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 the sermon per se, but I think it's a very important point. So uh, let me share that with you. Count it all joy, my brothers. So we need to be joyful in this time when you meet trials of various kinds. Corona is a trial. It's, it's something that is going to test whether we really trust God and how we deal with each other, how we live out our faith. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When, when we lack nothing, it doesn't mean that we, don't, that we have everything. It just means that we are satisfied with what we have at the moment. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generous, generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea and is driven and tossed by wind. For the person must not suppose that he wants to receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Remember what Paul said. The wisdom that we gain here is the wisdom that is equals to knowing what God wants, doing it because God wants it. And God will give that to you when that is your heart. Let's fix our hearts because then our voices will fall in line. And when our voices fall in line, we will have a message of hope in this world. And that is what people need from us at this moment. Let's pray.
God, I pray that you will help us to have the wisdom that only you can supply, to have the, the clean heart that we desire and that only you can supply. Lord, help us that we have a tongue that is bridled, uh, that can be tamed by only you, that, can, that does stumble but can be fixed by you. Thank you, Lord, that we know that whatever we have in this time, we can handle it because of you and that you will not leave us. You will not forsake us. We praise you for being a loving and a gracious God. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.